Hi, my name is Katie and I have been attending River Ridge for five years. When we started attending River Ridge, our daughter was just a baby. As she grew and started the preschool curriculum, we were amazed by how much she was learning and sharing. She enjoyed her experience on Sunday morning, and at this young age, it seemed to be just what she needed to take her first steps in her journey with God. She was learning who God is, that He made her, loved her, and wanted to be her friend forever. Even when she was as young as four, I started trying to figure out how much she really understood about Jesus and His death on the cross for her. She could share the story of His death and even resurrection, but I just wasn't sure how to know that she really understood the gospel and when she would be ready to get baptized. As she entered kindergarten and moved up to river camp, we began to process this big milestone for our daughter more and more. We knew it was the most important decision of her life, and we wanted to make sure she was old enough and mature enough to truly understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. This whole process was pretty challenging. How much does this child really need to understand in order to become a Christian? How do you know what topics to cover and what can be saved for later? How do you know when their faith is sincere? Scott and I wrestled with these questions. Around that time, we attended a class here at church called Lead Your Child to Christ. This class sought to answer some of these very questions. We learned how to present the gospel to our young daughter and how to assess her readiness to take this step of faith and later baptism. Having this resource really helped us to begin the conversation with Breck at home. Soon after attending this class, Breck did place her faith in Christ and was baptized later that year. We are so thankful that we attended the class for parents and learned how to lead our child to Christ. Ridge Kids will be offering a new class for parents and kids to attend together on January 27th in between services. This 15-minute presentation will teach kids the gospel message and provide parents with tools for discerning where their child is on their faith journey. Every Christian parent wants to see their child make a decision for Christ, but sometimes it really is hard to know when your child is ready. Come learn how to share the gospel with your child and lead them to make the most important decision of their life. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome out to River Ridge. So glad that you made it here. Welcome back if you've been here before and if you're brand new here. So glad that you took a part of your day to be with us. And for those of you watching online, uh, hello to you as well. Glad that you're tuning in wherever you are and, and whenever you're watching this. Uh, just glad you're taking advantage of that. Hope to see you soon, uh, wherever you may be. I uh, hope you can make your way here, either at this campus, Charleston campus, wherever uh, is closest to you. So glad that you're here. Uh, well, uh, this is such a special day for us today because uh, what we get to do uh, right now, before the, we get to the message, I want to bring up Zach and Carly Brady and Ellie Joe. And uh, man, this is just an awesome opportunity that we have uh, to pray for them. If, if uh, a lot of you know, and some some of you don't, uh, the Bradys are uh, one of our global partner families. Uh, and for the last couple years, we've been uh, behind them as a church, and they've been getting ready uh, to move full time as full time missionaries to Malawi, Africa. Uh, and you will be there in less than two weeks. Like you're going to be all in, all there, less than two, two weeks. weeks you're not allowed to talk. I already told you that. Uh, he'll go for 30 minutes, trust me. But um, we're, we're, this is just such a special time for us because some of you don't know, they've, they've been a part of our church family since we were 140 people meeting at West Hayes Elementary. Like that's, it's just, and they got the call to go and, and they've been preparing. And so again, in, in less than two weeks, they're going to be there in country and, and they're there. Uh, and so uh, this is an awesome opportunity for us that, that we're going to pray over them as a church. This is uh, what we get to do, uh, not only to recognize the call among us, to recognize that, but also to send them and commission them in the name of Jesus Christ for what they, they're going to do. So Chad, 
uh, on, on behalf of the, us as a church is going to pray over this family. So we're going to do that right now. So pray with us. God, we are so thankful, uh, again, that you invite us to be a part of your mission. Uh, the last words that you shared with your disciples was to go into all the nations sharing the good news and making disciples. Um, so God, we want our lives to be about that, not only here locally, but around the world. And um, you tell us to go not only here in Jerusalem and Samaria, but to the ends of the world. And Zach and Carly have felt that call for a while in their lives. They've gotten themselves equipped, and now they are ready to go. Uh, so God, thank you for their courage. Thank you for their faith. Thank you for your faithfulness. And we pray that as they are in Malawi, that you would open up doors, doors where they can influence people towards the truth of who Jesus is, uh, doors where they can share clearly the good news and the hope that we all have that only comes in Jesus. We pray that uh, you would encourage them while they are away. They are leaving a lot behind, family and friends, and we pray that you would be an ever-present help there, that you would bring them the peace and the comfort that comes only from you. God, we love them. We send them into your care, and we pray that you would bless their path. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we encourage them? Love you guys. Zach and Carly, uh, right after the service, will be over in the next steps room to answer any questions you guys might have with them. But stop afterwards. Answer. <laughs> encourage them in some way. Ellie here, she's trying to get out of her shell a little bit. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. All right. Um, man, you could be praying for them. And, and one of the things that I want to say is, is uh, they represent a bigger picture of the global partners that we have. And so uh, you can get more information on them if you go to riverridge.org. And if you go under outreach, you will see a list of our global partners. Uh, there are other families that we've sent out. And you can sign up to be a part of the monthly prayer list and emails that come out. Uh, every one of you should do that, I'm telling you, because they covet your prayers. They need them. Uh, and so get on there, uh, sign up for that, and uh, you can get on board with praying uh, over our missionaries and what they're doing. And, gang, we have to see that God is doing some great things around us, man. Uh, I said this last, it's just amazing to me to think about the, the fact that we get to be a part of, of a family going to Malawi, Africa, in this little old church in Hurricane, West Virginia. That's why we're a part of a church. That God is always bigger than our problems and what we're doing and what we're facing. And that's so huge for us to come and be reminded of what God's doing in this world, isn't it? Amen to that. It's amazing that we get to be a part of Malawi, Africa. That's just crazy to me. It's amazing. I love that. And so, man, we just oh, there's always a bigger picture of God going on. Amen, everybody? Amen? Yes, there's always a bigger picture. So keep praying for the Bradys, uh, and, and we will just, uh, man, it's so excited to get updates from them uh, as God works uh, in and around them in Malawi, Africa. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Uh, open them up to the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to be uh, in Ecclesiastes 2 for a little while this morning. We are in a series, if you weren't here last week, where we are talking about life. And the fact is that in our lives that there are times uh, that we go through. There are seasons that we actually go through. And it's in these seasons that we actually have these opportunities to let God come in and understand God and find more purpose and more meaning in those seasons instead of letting just some of those seasons go by without any meaning or any purpose whatsoever. That's not God's design for our life. And so today we're going to continue this and we're going to talk about one of the biggest seasons, longest seasons that we will ever, we'll, we'll ever go through. And that's a season of work work okay so here's the deal uh, we spend on average are you ready for this we spend on average 90,000 hours in our lifetime working 
okay? Now, for some of you, you heard that, and you're like, man, I'm halfway there. Like, I just like, in the first half one's so bad, like, that's not, or some of you are like, man, I'm almost there. I'm almost there, and I, I got enough steam in me. I'm going strong. And some of you right now want to kick punch me in the face for just thinking about this number, because you're like, I don't even want to know how much I got left, everybody. You know, like, that's where you are. You want to you hurt me. Uh, but we spend, this is the truth, we spend a third of our lifetime in some form of work. And so what we're going to do this morning is I just want to see, let's just come and see what God has to say about this. Since most of us in this room are still in or in the middle of or in the beginning of, we're in this season of working, okay? So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to start with an idea, all right? I want to start with an idea, and it's, and it's going to come from Ecclesiastes. It's going to come from Solomon and what he realizes about work, okay? And it's in Ecclesiastes 2, if, you, if you've opened up there, and it's going to be in verse 24. And I want to look at what this says, and then I want to see how he comes to this conclusion because how he gets to this is so important. It's actually the bottom line uh, for us this morning because what he says here, gang, listen, is so simple. It's so simple what he says, but how he gets there is so important because I'm willing to bet then when we see what he's about to say, that some of you are going to give this the, I don't know, man, I don't know about like where you are and how you're working and what you are experiencing and what you do. So let's just see what he says first. This is Ecclesiastes 2, 24. This is what Solomon says. He says, so I decided that there is nothing better, nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realize something. I realize that these pleasures, work is a ple these pleasures are from the hand of God. So here's what he says. Solomon says that the key to finding satisfaction in life is in work. Okay, to which, you know, we would probably say, okay, I could go with that. Like, I could, I could get there. If we're lucky, we'll find a job that we love. But that's if we're lucky, Solomon. But I could kind of get there. But here's what I want to say, everybody. See, that's not what he's saying. That, that's, he's actually, he doesn't stop there. He, he keeps going. In fact, he says, I realize something, though. In fact, not only did I realize, I realize finding satisfaction, it is not just a goal. It's actually bigger than just trying to find it or it being a goal in my life. It's bigger. I came to realize that work is actually a pleasure, that no matter what it is, that work in and of itself is a pleasure, and it's actually a gift from the hand of God, that whatever you're doing, this is what he's saying to whatever you're doing out there, whatever your job is, you have to catch this. God made you to actually have delight and fulfillment in it, so it's never just a J-O-B, that there's always something and there will be something bigger going on. To what many of us would say to that, okay, come over to my job for a day and then say that, Solomon, right? Like, that's where we're at, right? Or like, come over to my house and deal with the laundry and kids and the I don't know what fluid that is that I'm cleaning up and tell me it's a pleasure from God to work like this. Tell me that, Solomon, right? That's what a lot of us would say, right? That's what thinking about our job. In fact, here it is. According to a Gallup poll, that is what 70% of you would say. 70%. This is what the Gallup poll found. Uh, this was from 2015, I believe, uh, that 70% of you would say this. I found this. 30% of people are satisfied with their job. 30%. And it also says that 51% of us say they just kind of tolerate their job. They're not engaged. It's not very meaningful. And 16% said they downright hate their jobs. Okay, so here's where we're at. That means, if you follow this, that just nearly 70% of us are moderately or totally dissatisfied in our jobs. 70%. So, so if this room is representative of this, this is what I want to get at. If this room is a representation of that, then you guys right here, just you, you're the only people that love your job. That's it. And then everybody else over, all of us, you know, five out of seven days, most of the 40 plus hours we work, it's not fun, it's not fulfilling, it's actually pretty downright miserable. 
And there's, here's the thing. This is what I want to talk about. There's no way that that's the way it's supposed to be. Like, there's no way that this many of us actually are dissatisfied, and that's not the way that, that there's no way 70% of us have just the wrong job. That doesn't make sense, that 70% of us just have the wrong job. Something's missing. And God would say, you're right. Something is missing if that statistic is true. And that statistic has actually been true for the last decade of, of our culture. Like, that, that hasn't changed much in the Gallup poll. And God would agree with you. God would say, you're right, something is missing. And Solomon actually says it there. He says, no, no, yeah, you're right, because there is a way for all of us, no matter what you do, regardless of your job, to find more meaning and purpose, regardless of what your job actually is. So here's the question. If 70%, how is that possible? How is that possible? How can I enjoy work more if I am in that 70% where it's just tolerable or, or actually miserable? So here's what I want to do this morning with that thought. How is that possible? I want to do two things this morning, okay? First thing I want to do is I want to go deeper into Solomon. I want to see how Solomon gets to that conclusion that we just saw. I want to, because uh, how he gets there is really important for us to find out a few things about why he lands there. I want to look deeper into that and find out how he gets there. And then I want to look at some practical ways that we can bring more enjoyment into work and have a better Monday. And that, that doesn't mean just show up on Tuesday, okay? Like practical things that we can say, no, don't, don't just skip on. We have a better Monday, okay? So how does Solomon get there? That's the first thing we're going to do. How did he come to this conclusion, realization that there is nothing better Nothing better than finding satisfaction in work and then it's not found in other places like we think. How is that possible? So first thing we need to do is we need to understand a little bit about Solomon. So here's who Solomon was, the guy who wrote this. This guy had everything. He, he had everything. There was nothing he couldn't have. He was the son uh, of the most famous king, the, the most successful king, King David. And King David basically gave Solomon the keys to the kingdom. And here's what Solomon did with those keys to the kingdom. He made the kingdom bigger, and he made it better than, than his dad even did, ever did. He made it bigger and better. He literally had everything you could imagine for a guy back then, too. He had every, He had the best house, best food. You should have seen his camels, man. Like, they were like, snap, look at the hump on that thing. They were like, man, look at that, riding low on that thing. Like, he's like, man, amazing camels, right? I mean, I was like, I don't know. That's probably what they looked at back then. But anyways, like, they're like, look at the frills on that rug. I don't know. But anyways... This, he had it all, man. And, and here's the thing. This is what this letter kind of tells us. It, he experienced it all. He went after all of it. But here's what happened. He got to a point where he started to wonder if there was more to life. That there had to be more to it. So here's what he decided. And this is what we're going to look into, how he got to that statement. He decided to go all in. He's like, I'm going to go all in to find out what really does bring satisfaction. And he, and he just goes after it all. So check out what he says. This is going to be in verse 1 in chapter 2. This is how he starts. He goes, okay, so I'm going to go after this. I'm going to do a study, and I'm going to let you know the results. He goes, so I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. And so he just goes after life. If it feels good, do it. If I want it, get it. Overindulge. Spend it all. He was determined to find what brings real pleasure. And you can read for yourself, because over the next 10 verses, he tells us what he actually did. He, he, I mean, he goes into some detail about it. And, and he comes out of this, and he finds it all, does it all, nothing withheld, does everything he could think of. And here's what he comes to a conclusion with in verse 11. Here's what he says. He says, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So here's what he says. He says, I'm doing a case study, and I'm going to tell you what I found out. That, that what you have, what you get, what you accumulate, what you go after, it all goes to the same place. You're going to wake up one day with the same conclusion I did, that it's not it. It's not what? It's not it. 
that our, that our lives, he's saying our lives, have to be more. There, there has to be something more than what I just did. That, that even, yes, our jobs have to be more than what I do, how much I make, and where it's taking me. And those things are important in our jobs. Those things are important. They have purpose. But as you figure those out, what he's saying and what God is telling us, there's got to be another layer. There's got to be another layer that has to be involved in order to find what you're really looking for in work. A lot of you know uh, Tom Brady. If you don't know who Tom Brady is, uh, he is one of the most successful quarterbacks and football players of all time. He's still playing. Uh, he's won five Super Bowls, uh, three Most Valuable Player awards in the league uh, in his career. And uh, earlier, uh, a, a few uh, years ago, 60 Minutes did a piece on him. Uh, and this, at this time, this is when he had three Super Bowls, and he just signed a $60 million contract, and he was not even 30 years old yet, okay? And so they interview this guy, and the, the interviewer says, man, you got it all, you've done it all, you've achieved this thing. And here's what he asked Tom Brady. He said, what have you learned about yourself? And here's what Tom Brady said. This is the actual transcript. I didn't change any of it. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. So the, interview, the interviewer asked him, he goes, well, what's, what's the answer? And here's what Tom Brady said, I wish I knew. If there was a modern-day Solomon, he would be really close. He's got it all. He he's, has everything, achieved everything, reached the pinnacle of his job, nothing outside his grip. And it's like he's saying verbatim what Solomon just said. So, so let me ask you, what are you striving for? What are, you, what are you accumulating? What are you going after? And here's the better question. If you get it, let me ask you this. Then what? Then what? What's the magic number? Like, what's the magic job? What job would it be? The richest guy who ever lived says, I've tried it, I've done it, and you just aren't going to find satisfaction there. Solomon, in fact, he keeps going here in verse 17, and he says something point blank. He says, by going after this kind of life, I hated life going that way. Hated it going after the way I did, just saying yes to everything, accumulating all this stuff. Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all his vanity and a striving after the wind. He said, it's a dead end. It's a dead end. This is just what I'm finding in my life. Two things uh, as I studied this book and studied uh, Solomon, two things that, that I want us to see here. First thing, uh, as you read Ecclesiastes, you're going to see this phrase over and over again that Solomon brings up, and it's this phrase, under the sun. And he says it a lot. And here's what he means by saying under the sun. What he means is he means without God. That's what, he, that's what he talked about. He said that as you go through life and if you go after and pursue relationships and life and experiences and yes, even work, just thinking under the sun or just on this horizontal level here, this sort of horizontal level down here, then you're gonna end up like me, empty and unsatisfied, not fulfilled. This is a conclusion that he came to. This is just what he's saying. That Without God, that's just what's gonna happen. And what Solomon's saying is very important for every single one of us here is that when you live your life like that, under the sun, just on this horizontal level, that's just going after this stuff and that's what I'm gonna do. And you even get it all. You get everything that you want. Here's his point, that it will still lead a person to eventually say, man, is this it? Just like Tom Brady, is this, is this all it's cracked up to be? I mean, is this all it's supposed to be? Have you ever, have you ever asked that yourself? If you're really honest with yourself, have you ever sat around at your job or sat around at your house going, is this it? I mean, is this really, is this going to be the next 40 years of my life? You know, something's got to be missing. This can't be all this cracked up to be. So, so then what we do is say, well, maybe it's that job over there. Maybe, maybe it's actually this stuff that, that I don't have access. Maybe it's that relationship 
That's what it is. My relationship is wrong. I need a new relationship. Maybe it's that lifestyle that I can't get. That's got to be what it is. And Solomon just, he comes in and he's telling us, he's like, I live that life. I've done that. I went after every relationship. I went after everything. And I got all that stuff. And I, and I said, I said yes to everything under the sun. And something's still not right. Something's still unmet. So that's the first thing that I found. And here's the other thing that I found out. I learned more about Solomon. I think Solomon was finding this before he came to this realization. He had so much of everything that he lost appreciation for anything. Like he, he, he was overdoing it. He was overeating it. He was, I mean, overindulging it. And he realizes he was doing it. like, man, this didn't turn out good. Like that's where he was like, I've just got everything. And I was just not turning out the way that I thought it would. And gang, listen to me. Like, and I know you're here in the same culture I'm in. But man, I thought a lot about that. I thought a lot about our culture and where we live and just how oversaturated we are. Overstimulation is just everywhere. And I think about this, and I think about this a lot in my life. I really do. Like, I think about how I eat. And I eat out of boredom. Like, what's up with that? Like, why do I just, I'm bored, I'm going to eat. Like, what do I do? Like, right? Like, I look at what I spend. We, here, gang, listen, we even say binge watching like it's normal, you know? You ever think about that? That we just lose appreciation, I think, for the gifts that God gave us to enjoy and be fulfilled in. And I wonder, here, here's the thing, gang, I wonder if that plays a role in why 70% of us are just so dissatisfied, struggling at work. Solomon is just so saturated with excess that he loses the real meaning in life. I just wonder if that's happening in our world. I just, it just makes me wonder. And so after all that, Solomon, again, he comes to this conclusion. He says, okay, so after all this in verse 24, I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. And he says one more thing, and he says, for who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? Solomon says, man, you want a key to life? Here it is. If you want the deepest theological thought about God and life and all this stuff, if you want to find satisfaction, here's what he's saying. You won't find it under the sun. That's what he says. It starts by looking above. In fact, as you go through this life, it's going to drive you to look above the sun. And it also involves, if you want to find real satisfaction in life, what he says right here, point blank, is you got to just look at what you're already doing for a third of your life. And you don't look beyond that. Look at what you're already doing for a third of your life and making some decisions there and realize that with God, something better can happen at work, at work. So, okay, how do I do that? How do I do that? How do I find a happier Monday? Right? So here's what we're going to do. Just practical things. Three practical things to look at. And then two books, two books that I really want to recommend because uh, these books I've gone through over the last several years. And there was one book that was very, very influential in writing this message out. Uh, so there's two books. First thing I want to do is the book. So if you want to write these down, first book, uh, if you want to look more into God and work and like how do I find a deeper meaning, deeper purpose, the first book is Work Matters. It's called Work Matters by Tom Nelson. It is an awesome book, fantastic book. I got through that book, and I'm not a heavy reader. I'm really not. I got through that book in three days. It's just fast read, a good book. Uh, and another book is called Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. That's a little, I didn't even know how to spell endeavor, so it's just, it's deep, okay? Like, I don't know. It's like, if you love the deeper, like, things of God, I know. I don't, I had to spell check it. I'm not kidding you. But, like, it's a deeper book about work. And, it, man, it is so good, though, by Tim Keller. It's called Every Good Endeavor. Uh, and, and, man, he goes into some really, really cool uh, ideas about God and work. So, so those books are they've been very influential in my idea about work and uh, so those are the two books and it's really good okay so now let's look into some things three things that I really think will make work work better okay here's the first thing uh, that I want us to think about that I need to align my work with God's work 
the first thing, like with taking this thought that Solomon lands on, what do I do? I'm going to align my work with God's word. Because Solomon says, here's what he starts with. And again, i got to remind us all. I think some of us know this. We need to be reminded of this. Man, when you start looking above the sun, that's where work changes. That's all he got. Just look above the sun, and your work will change. He's saying you have to, listen to me, you have to bring all of God in so you can have a purpose that goes beyond your J-O-B. You got to bring, you can't check. Here's what I'm saying. You can't check God at the door. You can't be checking God at the door. And here's what I'm going to tell you, and maybe this will change some of you today. When you realize, listen to me, when you realize that your Monday is just as spiritual as Sunday, right, what we're doing here, when you realize it's just as spiritual as Sunday, it will change everything about your job. It'll change everything about your job. That you're supposed to come in on money like you come in to this place. It'll change. A pastor I listen to uh, says it this way. He says, don't commute between your spiritual life and your vocational life. Don't do it. That's what he says. And this is why. This is why it's so important to understand. Because your work matters to God, and it does, trust me. Because your work matters to God, God matters in your work. Every bit of it, every minute of it, God matters in your work because your work matters so much to God. We're gonna get to that in a minute because uh, I wanna look at something that Jesus says. Just one thing that Jesus says, and it's so important us, uh, for us to consider with work. And I'm telling you, again, he, I'm gonna make this so simple for us this morning to think about. I don't wanna be too complicated in, in thinking about what we're gonna be going into tomorrow, what most of us are going into tomorrow. And, and I'm taught this verse before, and I'm, I'm betting that most of you are familiar with this verse, but it's a shift in thinking if we look at it through this lens of work. Here's what he says, okay? You are the light of the world. That's it. That, that's what he says. He says, hey, if, if you're a Christian, if you are a follower of me, if you say yes, like I follow Jesus, this is so important. What he says, then you're a light. You're a light. And, and here's what light does. You know what light does? Light actually reveals something. It reveals something in the dark, right? So you are, you are a revealer of something in the world. Now, follow me here because this is where it gets really important. See, when we look at this and we've, again, like, yeah, I knew Jesus said that. When we see you are the light of the world, see, what we do is we look at the world and what do we think about? We think about, like, the globe, right? We think about, like, yeah, the whole world. No, no, Jesus made this so personal for you. He made this so personal. He's talking, he's not talking about the globe. He is talking about, you know he's talking about? People. That you are the light. So your world is your sphere of influence with people. And here it is. All of us, every single one of us, have three huge spheres of influence in our life. Three of them. You just write them down. First one is family. The second one is friends. And the third one is work. Those are the three big spheres of influence that we have in our life. And here's the thing. Most of us, in this season of work, we will spend just as much time with our coworkers than we will with friends or people that we love. That's why it's such an important sphere of influence in our life. So here's the thing. When you think of these three spheres, family, friends, and work, work, listen to me, becomes so important in your spiritual life. Because there's only three huge spheres in your life. It becomes so important in that sphere because some of your, whether you want it to or not, some of your best hours are given at work, aren't they? Even look at the time that you work during the day. Those are the best hours of the day. You give your best hours at work. And Jesus says, while you're there, just think about this one thing. You're my light. You're my light in that world. You are my light. You are a revealer of something really important. So what am I revealing? What is it that, that I reveal? What, what's the point? What's important? Jesus keeps going here, and here's what he says. He says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So they're going to see, the, the light's going to be revealed, and they're going to see your good works so that they give you a promotion. 
No. So that they give you a raise, so that they see your great work ethic. No, no. And all that's good. All that is something that we should go after. But that is not, listen, that is not the point of why God has you working. This is such a shift. I'm telling you it's a shift. I'm telling you this because this is what so many of us are missing. This is why 70% of us are not finding satisfaction in work. Jesus' point is if you're a follower of me, you're saying you are. I'm going to tell you a truth. This is what I'm going to tell you. Jesus is saying while you're there, while you're at work, and you, yes, you have a good work ethic, and you're getting a promotion and all that, while you're doing all that, I want you to do your work in such a way where people see how you work and not just see your beliefs, but they actually see your work, they see how you work, and they connect some dots between your work and your heavenly father it's a shift in thinking and in that one statement that you're the light of the world you're the light of your world at work in that one statement jesus is giving you the reason why you work and and this is why it's such a shift i keep saying that but i'm telling you once you get it you're like oh man there it is it's such a shift because this means listen to this this means you don't even have to love your job to find real satisfaction that's amazing. You don't have to love it to find satisfaction. Because I figure some of you right now are like, okay, I see what Solomon says. I see what Jesus, yes, like Jesus is saying I'm alive. And you sit there thinking, you're thinking about your job, you're thinking, and, and some of you are like, God, why am I there? Like, why did God put me in this job? I hate this place. It's not my dream job. If anybody saw it, they would say, that's not my dream job. I know it's nobody's dream job. And that's where you're at right now. But here's what he's saying. And, and listen, some of you, you may need to consider a, a job change. We talked about that last Sunday, that there might be a time to change. But Jesus is saying, regardless of that, in the meantime, you got to catch this. You are still the light of that world, of your world, and that influence sphere of your life. The worse your environment is, the more opportunity you have. Come on now. The nastier your boss is, the brighter your light shines. Right? You don't even have to shine at that, but you just got to go boop, and that's it. Like, you know, like light up the whole room. Like, what an opportunity you have. You just go beep, beep, and that's it. They're like, whoa, what was that? Right? They, like, it's an amazing opportunity if you think about it. So, yes, bring excellence. Be on time. Have integrity. Get better at what you do. Have a good work ethic. Not just so you get recognized or promoted. Jesus says this. He goes, no, no, no. I want to listen to me. I want to invite you into a better reason why of why and so they see your light and they connect some dots not to who you are but to your father in heaven and it'll bring more purpose i'm telling you and more satisfaction in your work second thing second thing that we're going to do is i align my work with god's work and then i'm going to put my work in its proper place okay i'm going to put work in its proper place okay now as you're writing that down um here's here's the thing and I, I found this out in my life. I found this out in the jobs that I've had uh, as an engineer and as a pastor. Uh, it's just easy to do. It's just easy to do this, okay? And I talked about this at Christmas, but I didn't have a whole lot of time to really flush this out a little bit. But here's what I want to tell you guys. Listen to me. It is so easy. It is so easy to fall into the trap of making your identity and significance come from work. So easy. That how your life goes is how your job goes or your promotions go or your successes goes. But here's the problem with that. Here's the problem. There's a problem there, okay? See, here's the thing. If I hit my sales numbers, right, if my billable hours are up, if attendance in church goes up, if I get all A's, if I get the entire house in order and the kids didn't explode today, then I feel really good about myself, right? Like I feel awesome about everything, you know, and I can find my identity there. But, but, listen to me, here's the other end of it. If sales lag, if billable hours get lost, church attendance goes down, then I don't really feel so good about myself. That's a, that's a problem. That's a problem. Gang, listen to me. You got to listen. God never set up a career to define your life. He never set it up to carry that load of identity 
in your life. Unfortunately, so many people go down that path, and I just got to say this. It's okay to be successful. It's okay to reach the pinnacle of your job. It's okay to be high in that industry you're in. But listen to me, not at the expense of relationships and God. Not at that expense. Your job, Solomon is telling you, God is telling you, I'm telling you in my own experience, your job was never made to bring you that kind of identity and significance in your life. Nothing will fill that up except for Jesus. Nothing. And you can keep trying. You can keep going after it. Solomon is saying, I went after it all. And I'm telling you, on this horizontal level, you're never going to find it. You're never going to get it. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. God's like, stop trying. Stop. I gave you Jesus for that reason because the only identity that lasts and gives life is one you can find through God. And here's why I'm telling you this. And I'm telling you, it's not just in work. It's in marriages. Man, it's in marriages. It's in, it's in everything. It's in work as well. I've seen destruction when people think it's something else. So much destruction. So do I live to work or do I work to live? The answer is yes. Yes. God would say both are true. They can't work independently on their own. So work when it's time to work. Work hard. Work good. But listen to me. Go home when it's time to go home. There's better life to be lived outside of work. That's what he's saying. So put my work in this right place. Third one. How much time do I have? Third one. Oh, man. Okay, here we go. Bring passion in every day. Bring passion in every day. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, gee, here we go. Like, I, hear, I feel you. Like, I feel that. Like, it's like, okay, here we go. The 70% of us are like, oh, Eeyore. Here we go. Okay, listen. I, I don't have time. Okay. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to encourage uh, the 70% over here. You guys can just sip some water. Okay, um, if you find a job, listen to me, if you find a job where it's completely aligned with everything you're passionate about, congratulations, you are a unicorn, okay? Like, it just doesn't happen. It's not, so we look at that, so that's not what I'm saying, right? And really, gang, like, I could be close to that. I might have a little horn, because I've been so lucky in the two careers that I've had uh, that I love both jobs that I've had. That I've had. Uh, some of you didn't know that, but for 11 years, uh, I was not always a pastor. For 11 years, I worked as a civil engineer. Uh, worked on road and bridge design. I I loved it. I loved being an engineer. And how I became a pastor is a whole other story. Uh, and I don't have time for that. But uh, man, I love my job here. I love being a pastor. I love being a part of the leadership team of this church. It's, it's not easy at times. Sometimes I wish the rumor was true that all I did was show up on Sundays and attend a few prayer meetings and that's it. I wish that was true, but it's not. True story, uh, I ran into a guy that I used to work with a few years into being a full-time pastor. True story. We were going on a biking trip, and he goes, man, you got it made. You only have to work one day a week. And he was dead serious. And I went, bro, I've worked beside you for two years. You work one day a week too now. Like, that's what I, like, I did not, I didn't say that. I was trying to win him for Christ. I didn't say that. Um, it's a true story. He did say that. And I was like, what? Anyways, but I, I love what I do. I love, it's so humbling. It's, man, it is so exciting to be a part of this church, this movement with God. And it's so satisfying, I'm telling you, to be a part of a leadership team of this church. And you, you all make it a lot easier for me. Man, you encourage me. You, man, I just, you encourage me a lot. You, you help me and the staff around me is amazing. It's, it's, I love my job. But even in this job, I'm going to tell you right now. So now it's like, here's the Oreo cookie. Now, I, even though I love what I do, like there are things about this job that I do not like. Okay, I'm not passionate about staff meetings, right? I don't get fired up about church budgets. Trust, I'd rather be in a field just running around. Like, I don't like, I don't, I don't want to talk about that stuff. I have a hard time managing people. I really do. Like, it's hard for people to follow me a little bit. Like, it just, I know it's a surprise, isn't it? But um, it's not natural for me. And, and like me, here's the thing, gang. 
you, you can line up a list of like what you love and what you really don't like about your job. All of us can do this, like I say, unless you're a unicorn over there. But like, you know, but all of us, like we can do that. But here's what I'm gonna tell you. This is just a key and then we'll be done. Okay, see for me, here's what I do. There are still things that I could bring uniquely into even the things that I don't like or not good at. And, and here's the key for me, because it's so important. Focus, even if it's one little thing about my job that I love. If I could just say focus on that one thing that fires me up, then it can help me through some of the things that I don't like doing. You hear me? And here's what we do. This is why I think we get caught up. See, if I actually uh, lose focus on what I love and I actually start to focus on, if I just focus on that one little thing that I don't like, then I'm gonna lose passion for the whole day. Isn't that true? Isn't it true? If I'm like, oh geez, here comes that meeting and then that's it for the whole day. So here's the thing. Work is way more enjoyable if I can look and make choices to focus on what we love about what we do and then we can actually, actually, instead of what we don't like doing, okay? And in the meantime, I'm telling you, some of you are like, I can't find one thing I like. Okay, then it's time for a change. I'm serious. Like, it's time for a change. God can do that in your life. But here's what Jesus says. In the meantime, you got to follow this. In the meantime, you are my light. Man, you're my light in that sphere. You're it. You're my answer. Man, amazing. 70% of people. 70% of people are not satisfied at work. God has a way to change that. So you guys over there love your job? We're coming. We're coming after you, okay? We're gonna get better at this, okay? So here's what I wanna ask us. For if you're part of that 70%, and you don't have to hate your job, I'm telling you, God didn't make you to even just tolerate your job. You hear me? He said, no, 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 I made it to be good. And that's never broken. He's like, I want it to be so good. So tomorrow, here's what I wanna challenge you. What are you gonna change? What are you gonna change? What are some things that you can see God clearly on from today as a result of today? And what are you going to do to put that in place to have a happier Monday and shift your thinking so you can actually have a pleasurable, good, satisfying experience at work because God made that to happen in all of our lives regardless of what your job is. Do we believe it? Let's pray and ask God to help us believe that, okay? God, we love you. Thank you for making work. You made work actually before sin came in. You made it to be good. You made it to actually bring pleasure and satisfaction to us. And then, then the world got broken and, and work kind of got broken, but you still made work good. Help us to not, not respond to work in broken ways, God. You actually made a better way for us to respond that we are your light. We're your light and wherever we are. And, and the darker it is, the more opportunity we have to actually spread that light and actually, actually have people see you for who you really are because of what we do. What an opportunity we have. I pray for the 70% of us in here who are, who are maybe tolerating or having, having a tough time with work. God, help us. Help us to see the greater vision. Help us to see the bigger picture in our lives. You made us to actually work and enjoy it and have something bigger, bigger and better than what I do, how much I make, and where I'm going with this. God, help us to see that. We love you. Uh, we pray and thank you for Jesus that we don't have to look for ourselves or look to, to uh, find identity anywhere else but Jesus. And we thank you so much for his uh, work on the cross, his death and resurrection for us that gives us life. We love you, and in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, have a great week. I hope you have a great Monday. I really do. And next week, come back because we're going to talk about rest. If you need rest, come on back on Sunday. We'll talk about that, all right?